podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. My name is Roman. My name is Brian, and we are the co-hosts of this amazing podcast. And hey, hey, hey. And today, uh, you know, we, we've been switching up the podcast here recently, and we've been doing some new things. And uh, we're going back to a guest. And this week, we have a very special guest, someone that, you know, I, we, we're all familiar with. You know, I, I know who this person is. Brian knew who this person is. Oh, and hell yeah. recently I, I started seeing him online and started seeing some of the stuff he's doing. I had no idea about this person's story. Obviously, I, I kind of knew it was crazy just based on who he is. But I didn't know he was sober and I didn't know some of the cool stuff he's doing with his sobriety. Hell and, yeah. uh, and and it's an honor to, to introduce you. Brandon Novak is on live with us. What up, man? How are you guys? Good man, it's 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 great to have you on, dude. Yeah, uh, you know, thank you for having me. Thank you for being part of the solution and letting people know that the disease of addiction isn't a death sentence. You know, and as long as you're breathing, it's never too late. Because the reality is, together we can do this. By myself, I shoot dope. <laughs> That's no what doubt. we're talking about, Brandon. Thanks for jumping on. We usually start the show with a few different questions. Yes, and then we'll yes. kind of go into some background, hear a little of your story, and. Let the uh, energy take us wherever it may flow. Right on. So question number one Mm -hmm. is what is your vision? Mm. Boom. In in life? Just in just your interpretation, just whatever your vision is. Personally, like what matters to you? Like just what do you want? What's your vision for human I mean your For the world? Yeah. Like whatever whatever resonates with you. You know, like when I got sober this time, I, you know, I was a 35 year old man in theory and on paper. I was a very successful individual. I did things in life that people equate to success and happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some even dream of doing. In reality, I was a 35 year old homeless man walking into my 13th inpatient treatment center. My worldly possessions consisted of eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, one stick of deodorant that fit into a bag that was a pillow. And four cigarette butts. I was at a point. My, I was like at a point in my life where I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't want to hurt myself in the process. Mm. I was I was mm. horrible suicide because I kept waking up, and I was like so low the curb looked like a fucking skyscraper. So when I walked in, right, um, I walked in. All I knew for certain is that I didn't want to feel how I felt. I didn't know if I was coming or going, if I just wanted a fucking meal, a shower. I, I, I didn't know. I couldn't call it. But what I did know is I didn't want to feel how I felt. So all of a sudden, I started following people's suggestions. And lo and behold, I started feeling better than I felt. Mm. So I continued to follow through with that. And, 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 and what I'm trying to say with going back to what is my vision, um, what I've learned is when I want to make my God laugh, I tell him how my day is going to go. Oh, uh, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I, you know, walking in with my worldly possessions on my back and four cigarette butts, a restraining order, a needle, and a spoon. Uh, as of a week ago, I celebrated three years. I just settled on Damn. a new home. Hallelujah. Um, I'm now like a son to my mother, a brother to my brother, a brother to my sister, an uncle to my nieces and nephews. I'm a, I'm a productive tax paying member of society. I have like excellent credit and I now work in the drug and alcohol treatment field. 
So, like, if you would have told me that's where I would have been when I walked in at 35 homeless, walking to my 13th inpatient treatment center after my mother bought me a plot, just woke up from being on life support for seven days, like, I, I wouldn't have fathomed that. I would have said, you're a fucking liar. Right. But the reality is, is, like, I can't tell you what my vision is because that puts a cap on my potential of what I possibly could be. Okay. Uh, well, so, shit. Yeah. No limit yeah. over here. Yeah, so like from where I came from to where I'm at, it's it's like mind blowing to me. Well, yeah, man, it sounds like it, and we look forward to kind of jumping into that a little bit. So let's just jump into question number two. Then, what do you love? My cats. <laughs> How many cats you got? Four. I'm a hoarder. Damn, dude, you're like an old cat lady. I'm like looking forward to being that crazy old cat man. If my cats could. Talk, I would rarely leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> They're like your best um, friends. No, but it, but that's one of the things. But in all sincerity, what I do love is like fucking sobriety. Yeah. Uh, I love my power. Uh, I love life today. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to be the person that like, you know, with and without drugs, I was like a stranger in my own skin trying to figure out who the fuck let me in. And now... <laughs> And now, like, I, I love life. I love everything that, that ensues with the word life because what I've learned is everything is a situation and it's mm-hmm. dealing There's only one problem. And that's if I choose to pick up a drink or a drug. If I do that, I cannot tell you where I'll be, who I'll be with, and what I'll be doing. And I promise you, nothing's off the table. Well, yes. Damn. Yeah, it sounds uh, hey, pretty that's, accurate. That's, that's profound, though, what you said, man, being a stranger in your own skin, trying to figure out who let you in. That's so yeah. re- that's so relatable for, for us that suffer with addiction and alcoholism, man. I think that yeah, that's, that's, like, the number got, one thing. I, I got to that point, man, where, like, I was demoralized in just such a fashion from drugs and alcohol. I was beaten into a state of reasonableness that it, I, I could no longer live with the drugs and alcohol or without the drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, it literally stopped working. And what that looks like is for 20 years, heroin and cocaine was my answer to everything. For Correct. 24 years, dr- uh, drinking, smoking, sniffing, eating was my answer, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that was okay because every time I'd put a shot in my arm, that delusional effect was produced, which would allow me to escape the reality which I had created for myself. But what do I do at 35 when I can't load the needle up anymore and that delusional effect is no longer produced, meaning I, it is impossible for me to escape the reality that I created for myself. Correct. Meaning that like, that moment of clarity never fucking left me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and we get to that point where, you know, you can't imagine going on, you know, the way that you're going, but that other option, you know, to accept spiritual help doesn't, all, doesn't seem like a great idea either. And and there's a there's a this bitter morass of like loneliness, pain, hurt, like what what to do, where to go, sadness. Dep- I mean, all of it. It's all encompassed in that. Yeah, so, it is. So and let, what I what I didn't know then that I know now is that that was like at the most point that God was like at work in my life. Hell yeah. yeah! Damn. All right. Well, question number three is. What is one book that has greatly impacted or sh- shaped your life? Um, let me think. Um, one book. Uh, uh, the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success really enlightened me. Um, Dave Navarro's book, Photo Booth, was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, um, 
Yeah, as of right now. I'm like, I'm like, my head's in like 10 different books and I haven't finished any of them. So I think <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. not a bad place to be, man. Not a bad yeah. place. Well, All right. Well, yeah, let's, let's kind of jump into it, man. I mean, we know who you are, right? And <laughs> the audience may or may not know who you are, but kind of give us a rundown. A little like, background. Just who like, are you? Where yeah. you come from? Like, why are you on the show? Like what's significant about you and where you came from? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was born and raised in Baltimore City. Um, At the age of seven, my mother gave me my first skateboard. And that night when she put me to bed, she said, Brandon, what do you want me to do with the skateboard? I said, I want it in bed with me. She said, why? (laughs) I said, because if I die, I want it to come with me. It was like God came down and handed me the holy grail in the form of a skateboard. Like, you might be the best ping pong player in the world, but God might not see fit to put a paddle on your hand. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I knew when I got that skateboard, I was going to be a professional skateboarder. A trait that I had then that followed me into my drinking and drugging career that you might be able to relate to is that despite any and all adverse consequences that came my way, I did what I had to do to get what I wanted to get. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, so for the skateboarding aspect, I ate it, I breathed it, I slept it, I dreamt it. At 15, I was designing my pro model for Pal Peralta. Um, at the the 14, I was the first skateboarder in the world ever to be endorsed by Gatorade. They were flying me out to Chicago, to the Quake Roads building. They put me on one treadmill. They put Michael Jordan on another treadmill. Tell they me when to go. Wires. They put, they put like, these wires down our noses and give us each Gatorade to see the effects it has on different sports players. Uh, I'm yeah. touring the world with Tony Hawk. I have a private tutor that comes with me. Wow. Um, and, and, and then in between that timeline, I got caught up with drugs and alcohol. And... Uh, how, how did that happen? How did you, you just get caught up? Like, what you know, were, were people I, I could, smoking butt, or was it just kind of around? Was it, were you just it, exposed to it? it? Well, I was exposed from from day one of my life. My father never held a job a day in his life. He taught me one thing: if and when I go to prison, how to conduct myself. He <laughs> ran with the Hell's Angels. Um, you know, I, I, I sold drugs with him. I did drugs with him, uh, sold drugs for him. You know, at the age of seven, he would take me to the strip joint. He'd be in the back conducting business and they'd sit me at the bar stool and, and the pretty dancing girls would pour shots of ginger ale. Cola. And I would do shot glasses. They would applaud my father and give me that look of approval. <laughs> that sounds you know, like I, Anthony Kiedis's book, hmm. Scar yeah. Tissue. Yeah, Damn. Scar Tissue. You, you, you know, uh. You know he, you know he um, devoted that he he uh, he devoted that book to to Bill Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's rad. But anyway, side note. Um, so so you know I was always kind of exposed to it, and then you add in the factor that like uh, I was a young kid in the skateboarding world. You know, uh, 12, 13, 14 years old, running with eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-five year old guys. Right. Yep. You know. So and I, there was no accountability in my life. I didn't have to be in the house when the street lights went off. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a nine to five job where I had a boss. My boss was the team captain who was in Santa Barbara, and I would send them video parts that I filmed or call in and check in with them. You know, right. so, and, and people like believed in what I was doing because I was already successful at, at a young age. Yeah, you were sick. You were you were making people money and. Yeah, of yeah. course. Man. You were skating. So, you were out with Pal Peralta. I mean, what what other what other skateboarding institutions brands? I mean, who who were you who were you skating with? What was going on? I mean, skate- I mean, like who did I ride for? Yeah, I rode for Pal. I rode for Indy. I rode for Thunder. I rode for Vans. I rode for Airwalk. Okay. Uh, 
I always stayed with Pow. I never switched. I almost went for Birdhouse when that started. But okay. yeah, Tony Hunt. So yeah, so yeah, so you're a pro skater, young dude, starting to da- dibble dabble into the drugs and alcohol and that crazy lifestyle. But yeah. obviously, like shit wasn't that bad then, so it progressed, right? Like this is Absolutely. a progressive and fatal disease. So what that progression looked like, because. You, you you talk about you being successful and and we know you as being successful but also you know part of your story is like a train wreck so how did that how did that coincide with each other being successful so, but also being a train wreck yeah so i i get kicked off one of my first tours mike valley finds some drugs on me he says get rid of the drugs or get off the tour i throw the drugs down the sewer we finish a demo i get the girl straight to edge. take I get the girl to take me back to the sewer. I fish the drugs out of the sewer. Long story short, <laughs> he catches me and he takes me off. I'm now home, and I get a phone call from Tony Hall. He said, Brandon, we have one or two options we could do with you. We could put you in the treatment. You can save your life. You can continue to be a pro skater, or you can quit the team. And, and I didn't have a breath of fresh air in my lungs when I said I quit because, uh, you know, I'm that kind of mm. alcoholic that when I'm drinking and drugging, I tend to shy away from conversations that consists of the words honest, reliable, or dependable. They they don't help me get one more. And you'll hear my fucking 10-minute story here that anything between me and that next one must and will go, and it's not personal, it's just business. Yeah. So now I'm living with my mother and my girlfriend about two months later. Checks, you know, know, packages aren't being sent to my house. Tours aren't being booked. Flights aren't being scheduled. Video parts aren't being produced, but my delusional alcoholic mind tells me this, and this this mind that I have that's riddled with the disease of alcoholism, it's really powerful because it lies to me my own voice, and it tells me this. Mm. It says, the skateboarding world needs you. It cannot go on without you. You are an asset. In reality, it did not need me. It went on quite fine without me, and I'm a liability. Unfortunately, I'm the last person to know that because like, I, I'm too smart for my own good, and I know every fucking thing. Well, right. You're always right. right? I yeah. mean, that's the thing. We're always right. Doesn't matter about what, but that's part of our, you know, double-edged sword here is we're committed to being right about everything. Yeah, I'm the kind of guy that if it doesn't make sense to me, it's wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, no so now I'm living with my mother and my girlfriend, and one day they come to me and they said, Brandon, we have a great idea for you. I said, what's that? They said, we want you to go to treatment. Now, mind you, I just turned down this opportunity with Hawk, right. and I think about it, and I'm like, you know, that's a phenomenal idea. A, I have the time. B, I'm going to report to said treatment center, and I'm going to report back to my mom and my girlfriend why I'm not you fucking nut jobs, nor will I ever <laughs> yeah. He caught me at a bad time on a bad way in a bad day, overreaction at best. Yeah. So I go into my first treatment center with a completely closed mind and closed heart, proving a point why I'm not you people. Yep. And I'm 17 years old. They put me in a treatment center in Baltimore City. I'm ill as a research monkey. They put me in this big cafeteria with this like interrogation style lighting shining. Man, it's completely empty in there. And out of nowhere, this older black gentleman walks up to me and he said, white boy, what are you doing here? I said, heroin. He said, how old are you? I said, 17. He said, do yourself a favor and don't turn 18 in a place like this. And as quick as he came, he left. He nor I had no idea that this conversation would ever have on me. You know what I could tell you about that gentleman? I could tell you where the four teeth were placed in his mouth because at the time I had all mine. Mm. He was black. I was white. He's 70 to 75. I'm 17. He smokes crack. My delusional alcoholic mind says I successfully do heroin. He <laughs> I live with my mom and my girlfriend. God bless him. I'm, I'm so grateful he found what he needs. Like, But yeah. like, that's not me. Closed mind and closed heart. What I can't tell you about that treatment center is I can't tell you my therapist's name. I can't tell you about the relapse prevention packet they were shoving down. 
or the healthier unhealthy badges are trying to instill in me. Because if I could tell you those things, that means I can relate to being one of you people and I want no part. Brandon, just say so, no, right? <laughs> yeah, right? So I leave that treatment center, disease untreated, no defense against me and that first drink or drug. And he was right. I didn't turn 18 in a place like that. But I turned 19, 20, 22, 23, 24, 27, 28, 29, 30, 33, 34, 35 in a jail or a treatment center. And every year I'd sit on whatever bunk of whatever cell of whatever jail I happened to be in or whatever bed or whatever treatment center I happened to be in and say, maybe if me, myself, Brandon Novak, would have listened to that man with an open mind and an open heart, I would not continuously find myself in this situation year mm-hmm. after year. Meaning that it was fully self-induced. I had created yeah, or of course. for which I lived in. What was what was that realization like, man? Because I think it, at some point, us alcoholics and addicts, we all come to a, a similar realization. Those ominous warnings, you know. And, and yeah. what was that like? Was it well, was I mean, it like the, a? The realizations changed over the course of time and events that had taken place in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like I would kind of take heed, and I'm like, yeah, but maybe. Maybe it's just my parole officer's fault because she was in a bad mood, so she violated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would kind of come into grips to it, but then I would get $10 and think that, like, once again, I overreacted, you know? Right, right. So, because I hadn't been demoralized yet by drugs and alcohol in such a fashion where you have my attention. But it's coming, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm on way there. So, so in between all those years, I'm in and out of treatment centers. I'm in and out of treatment centers. And what I would do is I would, like, loiter with the intent to recover, uh-huh. right? I, I would get a sponsor. I would get a home group. I could fellowship fairly easy because um, I'm a people person. But then you say work the steps, and it's like, fucking relax. Like, <laughs> what do you and, 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 and left to my own devices, and what that looks like is Brandon would attend Brandon's Anonymous. Brandon would sponsor <laughs> Brandon, and Brandon will become Brandon's God. And for the life of me, I can't understand why I'm back on the corner of Eastern Avenue and Patterson Park in Baltimore City selling my ass for $40 to anybody that will buy. Mm. You know, like, how the fuck did I get there? Mm-hmm. So I was always really confused because from a very young age, my mother always told me, show me who you walk with and I'll tell you who you are. So that kind of, that transpired into what I really believed was social acceptability equal personal recovery, mm. Right. And and, and and so if the home was big enough, the car was new enough, the account was high enough, and the woman was pretty enough, and you told me that I was doing that that was the case, then I had to be doing good. What I didn't know then that I know now is I was trying to fill this internal void with an external solution. So yeah, so dude. Now, now I like trip and I fall into those movies, Jackass. Mm-hmm. And I'm on these TV shows, Viva La Bam, and I'm traveling the world. And, but yeah, I keep going to meetings, and you people at these meetings tell me that my life is unmanageable. And I feel that my life is unmanageable, but see, uh, this isn't debatable. This is an absolute fact. If you're diagnosed as an addict or an alcoholic, that disease left untreated equals death, fatal, right? That's yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But, but as far as I'm aware of, it's the only fatal disease that lies to me on a daily basis in my own voice and tells me I don't have a disease. So follow me. You diagnose me with HIV, I'm rushing to the hospital to get medication. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Diagnose me with cancer, I'm rushing to the hospital to get chemo. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Diagnose me as an addict or an alcoholic. I need a glass of wine or a bag of heroin to figure out what the fuck's wrong with you to diagnose me. 
that disease. Yeah. And it's just to say it was the first two diseases, but left to my own devices, Brandon's Anonymous, Brandon sponsors Brandon, Brandon's Brandon's God, I'll believe that I don't have a voice, that, that I don't have that disease that lies to my own voice, and I'll hang this phone up, and I'll go get a bag of dope, and it will make complete sense to me, and that's what's scary about it. Well, that's, you know, that's why this disease, if you will, is like three parts, right? It's mind, body, spirit. Whereas Absolutely. I think most fatal diseases are body, you know, uh, or, yeah. or in some mind, but certainly not all three. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's like it's like a yeah, man. It, and, you know, it's what's interesting. I just want to back up a sec because you were uh, a celebrity. Right. And, and we've talked to celebrities before, you know, who are in the, the limelight or the spotlight who are on TV and. Man, what we continue to hear is that adds like another level of difficulty in confronting the reality of your situation. And you kind of dove into that a little bit. You had the car, the clothes, the house, the girl, the the, the money, the, the fame. You know, people knew your name. You had this, you know, this personality. And that has to make it more difficult when time, like when shit hits the fan and it's really time to do some inward soul searching like what Absolutely. kind of what kind of difficulty well, did that it, present? It, perpe- it perpetuates the delusion, you know. Like I'm okay, yeah. just take a exactly. look. Delusions you know? of and, grandeur. Yeah, it did it so much so for me, right? That that I would do appearances in nightclubs, and they say, "Okay, Mr. Novak, what do you want in your on your ride or in your green room?" And I'd say, "Some heroin, some cocaine, some Xanax, and some wine." <laughs> they would give me those substances. I would take pictures. I would sign <laughs> autographs, and at the end of the night, I would get a check for ten thousand dollars. So you tell me my life's unmanageable. I believe that my life is unmanageable, but my bank account seems pretty manageable. Now it's my fucking job to do this, and I get yeah. paid. Mm. So add that to like. The well, yeah. I mean, specifically in your case, I mean, <clears throat> it was almost like you were encouraged, right? Like the more yeah. fucked up you were, like the better it was for ratings on on it's certain exactly. TV shows you were, right? Yeah, it, was it was like, like a role that you you had to play. Yeah, it was a rite of passage, and, and like. So, so, so then, just like with that skateboarding world, right? With the jackass world, my my paycheck started being diverted to my second ex fiance. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the 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 flights weren't being booked, um, you know, because they would say, if we book him the flight, will he make the flight? Let's say we book him the flight and he makes the flight. What condition will he be in when he gets here? Let's say we actually book him the flight and he makes the flight. Is the same thing that's going to happen as last time, where we have to kick the bathroom door down at Paramount Studios and find him dead on the ground with a needle in his arm? Mm. You know, and and uh, that's not a good look for the work world. Nah, nah, man. And but my. Shit. My delusional alcoholic mind would tell me, once again, the jagaz world needs me. It cannot go on without me. I am an asset. In reality, it did not need me. It went on quite fine without me, and I'm a liability, but I'm still the last person to know that. So, Brandon, I'm curious. What what were some of the aha moments? What were some of the, yeah. the, the times like, I mean, this looks so manageable, so glamorous, and so easy to pull off. But what were some of the times where you're like, man, like, I can't live like this. Like, this can't be happening. Like, like yeah. I'm out of control. Yeah. I don't have a so, choice. What, yeah. what what, what, were some of those specific experiences? Like, what happened? Those, yeah. those, those experiences were being medevaced to four different hospitals in four different states from four different overdoses. My mother, mm. seven years ago on Mother's Day, went and bought me a plot. Um, me ending up on life support for seven days. Mm. Uh me being in 12 inpatient treatment centers at this point where I'm at with the story because I've been yeah. 30 total. I've lost kind of outpatients and detoxes. You can see on the internet, I, I just saw this interview not too long ago, someone did with my mother. She used to pray not to get that phone call in the middle of the night. 
to at the end praying to get that phone call just so she could have a peace of mind that I had passed away. Damn. You know, the, those are like the unmanageable situations where I, I don't have a say so in the matter because I don't want to fucking cause the pain to my loved ones, but no, I don't know how not. not to because that thing calls, I answer by any and all means necessary. I dig it, man. I yeah, dig it. Man. You know, and as far as like, you know, what what kind of support did you have from like friends and family? It sounded like your family was was really there for you. Your mother was, you know, your biggest cheerleader. Yeah. What kind of support were you getting around you, you know, outside? Yeah, because um, yeah. You know, just like the disease of the disease of addiction progresses, so does like the support, but not in a good way. Like because the opposite like, way. Yeah, like after years and years of doing the same fucking thing, um, and I'd really believe it when I'd say, "I'm done, I'm done, I'm done." You know? Oh, I'd you really passed a lie detector it. test. Don't yeah, tell us absolutely. I'd have every fucking police officer in the world saying, "We wish everybody was as honest as you." You know? Because yeah. I believe it that much. Um, but then what happens is they started realizing that like when people told me they loved me, I equated that to $10 and like, I was going to hurt you. I was really going to like make you regret loving me or, or wanting to care for me. So, so as my disease progressed, people started to fade away, not because they wanted to, but because they had to, Yeah, um, they you had know, to and, do what was best for them, man. Yeah, literally. And thank God they did because I'm a firm believer. I, I, I'm really proactive in my sobriety. I sponsor people. I work in the treatment field. And I'm a firm believer of not getting between an alcoholic and their bottom. Because mm -hmm. oh, for people like no. me, if there's no, if I don't suffer repercussions from my actions, why do I stop? You know? Yeah, right? for sure. So, well, so that, they, they kept going. and But then, like I said, the whole social acceptability equal personal recovery. I, I really believe that. So then I, after the Jagass world ends, I decide I'm going to write this book, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I have no high school diploma. I have no GED. I got, a, I got my GED after this book that I'm about to tell you about was published. And the only reason why I got my GED, I got it when I was in prison. And the only reason why I got it when I was there is because, A, I had the time. And B, if you pass the GED in the joint, you got a pizza party that was supplied by Domino's. There you go. So, so that's like a fucking no-brainer. But here's the hit. I aced that motherfucker like a Harvard graduate. I didn't miss one question. And it's really simple to see why I did that now, looking back. It's because it was my idea. Because, right. see, I suffer from knowing everything. So when you tell me what I need to do, I tell you why you need to fuck off. Yeah. The reason why I did so bad for so many years in so many treatment centers, so many psychiatrists' offices, so many doctors' offices, so many 12-step programs, is because it wasn't my idea. If it was mm. my idea, I would have excelled at a rapid pace and been a billboard for any fucking treatment center or 12-step program in the world. Right. You know? But so I take this GED and I ace it with flying colors. But but that's after I write the first book. But I write this book. The book gets published, right? I'm now a published author. Mm -hmm. I write a book. The book gets published. I'm a published author who's written an autobiography addiction memoir. Mm -hmm. Take it a step further. I'm a published author who's written an autobiography addiction memoir. And it becomes a New York Times seller. Mm -hmm. um, now, I wrote this book while on cocaine and wine. Uh, I, and I'm starting to receive hundreds, like hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail from all over the world in different languages from people like you saying, I read your book. I didn't want my story to get as bad as yours. I have 30 days. 
Yeah. People like you Damn. saying, I read your book. I understand why my daughter picks the needle over coming to have dinner with me. It's not because I was a bad dad. It's because she suffers with a disease of addiction. My delusional alcoholic mind just told me that I wrote the big book of alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking believe that shit. Yeah, right? like, of course, man. That. Oh, shit. Yeah. Now I have that grand yeah like grand illusion of being better than like now i'm i I already felt internally unique when i walked in but now i I really answer yeah fuck i can show you all these like literally hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail in all these different languages from all over the world people praising me that i've like showed them the light you know so brandon i'm curious who like who was a like who was a mentor who because there's got to be someone in your story who was like Whoa there, cowboy. Like, you're on your fucking high horse. Like, you ain't who you think you are. Yeah, like, who was, was that, that your sponsor? Was that a friend in AA? Yeah. Like, who, like yeah. who, who told you, like, shut the fuck up, dude? Like, chill out. Most, yeah, <laughs> mostly people in AA that could see right through my bullshit yeah. or, okay. or my sponsor. Because, like, now, once again, in reality, like, I, I'm this character, but my character is also my real life. So people <laughs> gas that up, you know? yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, it's it just, it was insane. I, so I was really that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde scenario. But for me, I, it was, it was both. Yeah, it was both. Like it, it was like legit. So, so therefore go figure because you motherfuckers in the program will tell me the truth. I didn't come around too much. You yeah. know what I, mean? <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. And, uh, you know, for the sake of time, dude, I, I, I just want to kind of fast forward a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. you, you have a crazy ass story. We can all read about it in your book. I've and, seen all the interviews you've done online, dude. You're you're really sure. an advocate for sobriety now and for yeah. recovery, and you're taking a huge stand. And that's something that you know Brian and I we're we're doing. You know, trying to be the change in this world that we want to see and and stand for addicts and alcoholics to, to get, well. get well. And you are doing that, and that's that's something we want to fin- as we finish. We want to talk about what you're doing now today because that's something that. I know you must be proud of, and, and, let's and we gas certainly that are. Up. And let's Hell pump yeah. that up, man, because yeah, we're in I mean, this together. I, mean, I travel all over the nation and the world for that matter, and I speak all over. And the common question always asked is like, what do we do? What do we do? If I had the answer of what to do, I would bottle it up. I'd sell it. I'd be a billionaire a billion times over. You'd be like yeah. that farmer, farmer dude. Yeah. Farmer yeah, bro. There is, there is no fucking answer. Right, right now where we're at is it's a lot of trial and error. So yeah. I'm a big fan of doing something. And if something doesn't work, then we learn from that something and we do something new. So what I think is really lacked in today's society, especially with addicts and alcoholics, are three really important words to me, which are empathy, sympathy, and compassion. Mm. So I don't I don't talk I don't talk to people or at people, but I talk with people and and I meet them where they're at because all expectations are nothing but unfulfilled resentments. So I don't fuck. And and addicts and alcoholics, we have a problem with authority. We don't conform well. So like I, I I come to them and try to like understand, and I do understand them. I'm very good at playing devil's advocate because I was them and I could be them again, provided one bad decision. Mm. So like, You know, like what I do is I I, I travel around and I really just share this message, God willing, of hope. 
and, and let people know that if you're breathing, it's never too late. And your history does not have to dictate your future. Yes. And if you're struggling, like reach the fuck out and, yeah. and we'll do what we can to help you. But I can promise you this. If you don't open your mouth, if you don't reach out by yourself, you will not be able to do it. If I could have did it by myself, I wouldn't be on this fucking phone right now. Yeah. I wouldn't be in Hey, neither would we. Yeah. yeah. Neither would you know we. I mean? For so sure. Like, let's just do something, man. Like right now, we're at the point where it's harm reduction. Today in the nation, 174 people will die as a direct result of an opioid overdose. That's yeah. worse than Vietnam, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of all components. Like, if, if you want to be on methadone or you want to be on Suboxone, cool, man. If that provides you a life worth living that you can attest for, do it. And if the very least you get tired of that, at least you'll stay alive long enough to be ready to come off that. Because exactly. with those today, like, you're dying, literally. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. And, you know, I've heard it say that recovery is, is, is a process. It's not always in an event. You know, it doesn't always yes. happen in a moment. Yeah. Now it's a, it can be a series of moments that lead to a breakthrough. Well, but get started and do something and what we know what we know to also be true is that this is for life right this isn't this isn't just a three month and i'm good this isn't a 90 day dry (laughs) out this isn't 120 days of treatment and you're good to go this is a lifelong forever evolving thing that we do I, I suffer from a disease called alcoholism, not alcoholism. It has mm-hmm. a shelf life for 24 hours, and I can't stay sober on yesterday's sobriety, man. So I yes. do a few things along the way each day to maintain my sobriety. Because they told me, stick to the basics, so God willing, you don't have to go back to the basics. It's much easier Damn. to stay sober than get sober. And like I took heed to that. Yeah, man. Well, hey, we appreciate it. We are running out of time, but we're, we're dude, we're gonna have to get you back on again, yeah, dude, because this yeah. was a hell of a show, and we're we're able to reach a lot of people. So, uh, Brandon, yeah. thanks for real coming quick, on. Yeah, quick, I just want to ask, like, if, if anybody needs help, you can personally call me at perfect. 610. That's right. Six three five nine zero nine two. That's literally what we're. Yeah, gonna I was gonna say. Yeah, where else can they find you? What's your book? Like, let's plug, plug. Yeah, all plug yourself, right dude. You just look me up on any of the social media. The book's Dream Seller. Uh, it's in all any book. We get it. Amazon. Yeah, yeah, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever, man. Word. Hit uh, you. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, yeah, Instagram. Brandon double underscore Novak. Ooh. Facebook. All that's the same. Um, in a month, I have the first ever addiction graphic novel coming out, which is like a really groundbreaking thing. Um, so a lot of stuff in the works, man. Okay. Dude, I did. Hey, you want to gotta... give that phone number one more time? Absolutely, man. 610-635-9092. You, you mind if we post that? Please do. I, I'd be honored. Cool, man. I appreciate it. You know, we're going to have to talk off air about some stuff that we're doing, and we should definitely link up. For those yeah, listening, um, definitely reach out to him. Check him out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and get the go, find, go get the book, man. Check him out. It's awesome, dude. What he's doing is really, really fucking necessary Give within this addiction. Give me, Give me. <laughs> you <Yeah>. dork. <laughs> yeah. So appreciate it, bro. Thanks again, man. Um, Thank you, fellas. This has been another, another episode, episode of, of the, the Sober, Sober Life, Life Audio, Audio Experience. Boom. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. 
The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.